This is the 217 Recovery Podcast with Corey Winfield. Martin Liston. I can't do Tyrone. We should do a countdown for that day. 28, 28, how many? Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, six days. Five and a wake up. Whoa. Hot damn. Hot damn. 28th of November. The year is 2020. The Lord. Technically, it's like five years after, though, he was born. Throwing that out there. Could be six, roughly. (laughs) It's 217 Recovery Podcast. My name is Corey Winfield. Marnie Liston. Hello. And, yeah, we're excited. Uh, Tyrone, hopefully, will be here to cut your name, because Tyrone's the voice guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And how Tyrone became the voice guy was very funny and very interesting. <laughs> I was reaching out to my friend Renee, who I had worked with in Dallas, and he has like this big, booming, booming voice. And I thought, man, that'd be perfect. So I reach out to him, and he's like, hey, man, just had uh, like brain surgery. Uh, can you give me a week? <laughs> I was like, are you going to be okay? You know, like, I, I feel like an ass. I haven't talked to you in a couple of years and now I'm reaching out and brain surgery and yeah, I should be fine a couple weeks now. Just, and then like an even bigger ass a couple weeks later, I'm like, Hey man, uh, you get those lines I sent you like to cut for me to, to send them back so I can do the intro stuff. And he's like, yeah, sorry, man. Uh, this recouping stuff's really hard. Cut the guy a break. Like, well, are you going to do it or not, Renee? Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I was like, Oh man, I, I got to stop asking him. I felt like such an idiot. And so Tyrone had been walking around, and we thought it would be funny because Tyrone's just a funny man. And the things that would come out of his mouth, like, man, like that right there was actually recorded in a conversation. He didn't know we, we were recording. I just put the microphone up and was like, all right, I'm just going to record. And the things he was said, and I don't know where it's at, the bus stop one. Mm-hmm. Well, well, at least in Detroit, we got bus stop. Uh, it, I don't know. I deleted it, apparently. Out of the whole system, but yeah, that's it's pretty funny stuff like that. And then it dawned on me, I'm like, hey, you know what? A little coaching, I think Tyrone could do it. And I think you've heard some I, of the stuff. I did. I hear. I heard when he was doing his. Uh, what do you call? How would you call that? If he was, you know, like what would doing you call his that? session. Yeah, his session. His... I had to coach him up. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because he kept messing it up, and <laughs> like he would get the whole thing perfect, and then. Instead of podcast, he'd say broadcast. Mm-hmm. And he'd be like, what the hell is it then? <laughs> it's a podcast. Okay. And so I, I would, you know, coach him on, you know, the the uh, voice inflection. And I don't know. He did pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I've worked with a lot worse people who actually were getting paid to do it. Well, and Tyrone is just the, the kind of guy that just puts a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. He's so sweet. And Man. he's just a funny guy. Yep, that's it. That's it. And we had Tyrone was the first person we had a shirt. Like we have a face of Tyrone, and I started making the shirts, and he's like, "I want one." Okay, so like I'm making Tyrone shirts with his face on it, and he's wearing them around town. People were like, "Wait, is is that you?" He's like, "Yep, that's me." Yeah. Huh? So you're wearing wearing a shirt with your face on it? He's like, "Yep." He started just laughing. He probably said something like, Corey Winfield made it yeah. for me. 217. Mm-hmm. But no, those shirts, <laughs> they would actually be pretty popular if we wanted to sell them. But I don't know. I don't think that would be fair for Tyrone. Right. We just kind of give them to 
people that are close to us. I have one. Us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tyrone's great. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully next week we'll see how that works out. And then two weeks from now we're getting married. That's crazy. I know. If you've been married before, do you remember what it was like two weeks before your wedding? No, I don't. No, I'm, I'm saying like someone's listening and oh, they're married. And I thought you were asking me. I'll give them a minute just to kind of think back and how hectic it was or nervous they were. Or mm-hmm. What was going on? Was the mother-in-law being crazy or were you having second thoughts? No, I think it's going to be smooth sailing. Honestly. I think so, but I'm starting to get to that point where it's like, because right now, today, like two weeks from right now, we will be officially married. Mm-hmm. I know, it's great. I know, but that's crazy. What are we doing? <laughs> Man. <laughs> Thanks, Tyrone. But, yeah, so those feelings are, are coming up, and and those are really good feelings. So those aren't feelings that make me think, oh, I need to go drink. You know, th- this is the new life. This is the new chapter that being sober brings to us, mm-hmm. you know, we can actually get out there and, and meet people and actually like people for who they are. Like we like ourselves mm-hmm. and I'm not trying to change you. You're not trying to change me. You know, we're very accepting of each other. So I don't know. It, it just works. But obviously if we were living the old lifestyle, we wouldn't have ever even have met. And just how great life is now. I mean, I could say it over and over and over. And people who have been there, people that have some sobriety under their belt, they know what I'm talking about. My two years is coming up next month, three days after the wedding. <laughs> a couple of weeks from that, mm-hmm. too. And the first year, the second year, has been has been different. You know, the first year, it was just getting to that year and learning new ways to live and how to act and deal with situations. Um, there's a situation I had to deal with. I've been dealing with it for about a month or so now, and it's really been a weigh-in on me. And I've been getting worked up, and I've been I've spent way too much time on it. And I think a week or two ago, maybe I talked about it on the podcast where I said I'm gonna look at this in three months from now and just go. <laughs> Remember when I was all tripping over that? Oh. Yeah, but the time and energy I've spent thinking about this has just been insane. And then I finally came to a decision of, okay, what can I control about the situation? And I didn't drink. Mm-hmm. I could have. I could have. I could have drank and be like, oh, man, those people, oh, man, they, they made me drink. You know, they did me wrong. They did me dirty. Oh, they made me drink. But I'm not a baby. I'm not a kid. And I chose to not drink. I chose to do what I can control, and that was, you know, what I had to do. And I'm not going to get into too much detail about that, but I just kind of removed myself from a situation that, you know, I think is a, a good thing. And down the road, it, it's going to be great. And I, I did it with a little bit of class, mm-hmm. and you know, nobody was hurt. Yeah. And I didn't have to go back on anything that I was feeling any kind of way about, and I think it was good. So that's how I handle that situation, and that's how I do things now. Now, every situation I don't handle perfect. But that one, like I said, was really weighing on me. And I was listening to Steve Harvey. He does a radio show out of Atlanta. Steve Harvey does everything. And he has like a little podcast, which if you can stick through the horrible commercials that it starts out with, he does like five, ten minutes of like inspirational stuff. 
And it was really, really good. And the other day he was talking about that. He's like, you know, you could be stuck in your problem and you could try to, you know, go around, run, tell everybody how you were wronged and, you know, try to justify yourself over and over and over and over. But that doesn't do you any good. He's like, just give it to God and move on. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then, boom, every, everything still kind of circled back around to where everything worked out perfect, you know, so far. And I remember I was thinking when I when I heard that, too, I was like, yeah, I got to go back and read his book, Jump Again. You know, and I think I even said to you that, you know, I just need to jump. I need to just jump. Mm-hmm. And that's a reference to, like, if you were to jump off a cliff, you know, that God would, would catch you. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to trust in God. You can't just sit there on the cliff hoping for something to change. You know, you're going to have to make a move. And, you know, that's, that's what I did. And I remember I prayed and said, God, you know, I'll give it to you and I'm jumping, you know, catch me. Mm-hmm. But so that's not how I planned to open the show. <laughs> but I did. I jumped. <laughs> uh, was there something else in there that I was going to talk about? Do you remember? Because you can read my mind. Nah, no, no, I can't. You want to talk about that some more? No, I can't. But I, I will say that the the decisions that you said you were stewing over, I think that you did come to the resolution that you should have consciously and with a lot of, you know, processing and kind of weighing out the pros and cons and you're right like i feel the same way how i deal with issues and and you know decision making is way more thought out and way more in depth than it was i mean i was so impulsive and just off the cuff like what made sense to me right at the moment no real thought put into repercussions or you know the aftermath or the destruction, or, you know, whatever the case may be. It was just like, you know, what makes sense to me right at this moment. And I was never in (laughs) the best state of mind either. So that puts all that together into a big pot. And, yeah, so to be grateful today, to be able to say that, you know, you can be pretty sure that the decision that you made was the right one. And, um, you know, yeah, that God put, you know, God kind of paved the way. For what was supposed to happen, I feel. And I feel a lot, just personally, I feel just better being removed from the situation and kind of, the, the, I feel relieved the way it went. And I don't know, it just, it was good. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good decision. And the fact that I, I could think about it and, you know, I was thinking too negatively about it and... But that, that's how I felt. Um, well, I think one piece I want to put in here is because these people are, we're talking so around it, right, beating sorry. around the bush here <laughs> that people are not really know what's going on. But really just to break it down is that um, making kind of you really need to be conscious of making decisions of what's good for you and you in your life at the time at the moment. You know, where how is it that you how are you preparing your life for you, your daily day-to-day things that you do that you're getting the most out of of you and being the best you that you can be um you know and that includes places that you go people that you're with jobs that you have um all those things so sometimes just sit down and reevaluate like is this making me happy 
am I, is this make, is this what I want to do? Is this making me move forward in who I am and who I want to be? And if the answer is, "Eh, I don't, is it, I don't know, then, you know, you're in a situation, situation such as yourself and you really kind of had to lay things out and figure out what's what for you and what's best for you and then kind of make some changes and adjustments. And you did that and I'm proud of you. Well, I mean, everybody that's helped me the past, you know, what, year and 11 and a half months, everybody that's been a part of that, you know, th- th- this is the change that you want to make. And this is these are the changes that I wanted to make. And these are the, the decisions that I'm comfortable making now. E- even if you have to think about it for a while, but that's fine. At least you're thinking about it. But yeah, you're right, Marty. If, if you put yourself in those situations to where you're doing something or you're going to a, a place of employment where you just don't like, or you're going to your friend's house and you don't really want to, you know, you put yourself in situations that you don't want to really be in, but you're doing it to make others happy or because you think you need to, you know, if you're making $200,000 a year, let's just throw that out there. And you go to work every day and you hate it, hate it. When you come home, you feel like you have to have that drink. Well, maybe you need to switch jobs. Whoa, 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 Corey, hold on. I have family, wife, kids. Lose the house. Well, you'll I, lose all that yeah, stuff if too. <laughs> if you're drinking anyway uh, all the time, and people have noticed, and you're just not, you're going to lose it anyway. So sell it now, and figure out other plans. You know, it it doesn't have to happen overnight. Most likely, it won't. But just start making those changes. And if you're in early recovery and you're just like, man, I hate this job. I hate the people I work with. Well, what can you control about that situation? You know, maybe you hate the type of work you do. Maybe you're a plumber. I don't know. Maybe you love being a plumber. Who knows? But you just hate all the shit you have to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was bad. Thank you. Thanks. I'm here. I'm weak. But it's very important, though, that you figure out if that stuff doesn't make you happy or if it has you feeling some kind of way, you process those thoughts before you start drinking. And then like, that job makes, I have to drink down with that job. Being in radio is very stressful for me. And I used to use that excuse too. Like, you don't understand. I used to tell my mom, you don't understand the pressure I'm under every day. You know, I'm, I'm doing two shows, two different markets, program director, promotions director, community relations guy, website, whatever, you know, like I was doing all these things. Oh yeah. And then I got a parade on Saturday and then I got two remotes from doing a broadcast, one from Fayetteville. And then I got to drive back to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And I got to do another one. (sighs) I just need a drink. That's what I would say, you know, and I would justify it. And man, how much better life would have been if I wasn't drinking? Mm -hmm. All that stuff would have been like, okay, man, that's pretty easy. And I got back to work after a long layoff or not a layoff, but the hospital visit, I just didn't want to say hospital again. But when I got back to work, I was like, wow, this is freaking easy. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'd come in at like six or seven in the morning. People like, what are you doing here? You know, getting some work done. And man, it was just, it was, I would fly through it. It was amazing. Things you can do when you're sober. It's crazy. Crazy awesome. Mm, for real. And this lady, I don't want to say a lady, but this woman who knows somebody who I know, who I kind of gave some 
some tips too on, you know, Hey, they wanted to go to treatment and kind of guided them through the early process of that. And, you know, they had to do everything. I, I just kind of directed them where to go. Well, she reached out because of the other people that I helped and her son, I guess was having a hard time. And meth is the MF or man ice, whatever you want to call it. I'm surprised there's not like more funds being thrown at that, you know, cause the whole opiate opioid epidemic, you know, Oh my God, people are dying. And meanwhile, alcoholics like, yeah, we've been dying, <laughs> but that's cool. You know, at least it's getting some attention on everybody. But meth is a tough one because I've tried it once, like, well, not just one time, but like through the weekend or whatever. And holy hell, man, that's not an easy one. Hmm. That when you, it, it, it tricks you hardcore big time. Like, wow, this is just, uh, and I feel for people because the more they do it, the more their brains are being destroyed. And there's nothing, you know, like if you're on meth or, you know, trying to go to rehab, you don't get to detox. And sometimes people will be seeing stuff, hearing things that aren't even there, you know, psychosis, like, and you don't need a detox because the insurance companies don't think you need one because, well, you can't die from not taking meth. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're sitting in the class, they're hearing something. They're not really getting the treatment. It's a waste of money, you know, because the first week that they're in treatment, say they get two weeks in treatment. First week, they're still like eh, out of their mind. And then they're trying to sleep because they haven't slept in two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not fair. It's a waste of money, in my opinion, my professional opinion as a radio broadcaster. Mm-hmm. But maybe the, maybe old Gretch, what do they call her, the big woman? What do they call it? What's her little nickname? I don't know. Governor of Michigan. I have no idea that she had a nickname. Honestly. Big Gretch or something? Uh, did you make it up? No. I haven't heard it. No, they call it. They call her it. It's all the time. Because of the mask. Is it Big Gretch? I don't know. Big Gretch. <laughs> Is that Big Witch or whatever? Big Gretch. The little... Is it Dharma? No, not Dharma. Rick used to do it. Oh, a life ring? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Too many inside tops. Sorry about that. Rick's a friend. Big Gretch. Anyway, we should get her involved. And be like, you know, realize this is what happens. Like, I don't know who's coming in here from the insurance companies going, well, they can't die from it. <laughs> they shouldn't be doing it then. <laughs> it's their fault. They'll learn. <laughs> it's not funny. Quit messing with our people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just kind of get them off the mat. There definitely definitely needs to be something. I'll say that just as a human being, my professional opinion as a human being. There needs to be something that people on meth can, can do. But anyway, back to the story. Um, she's having a tough time with it. And from what she's kind of said, and she knows too the whole suck up process, what a kid will do for more money, you know, Hey, I haven't eaten in four days and yeah, I just barely got, I just put my last $4 in gas in my car. That's got to get me to work. And yeah, I just wish I had some money for food. Oh, you can come over here and eat. Oh, but I don't have the gas. Can you just 
you know, through Facebook, send me some money. And all right, thanks, bye. You know, and she's come to the point where she's like, well, I'm just gonna have to, you know, put my foot down and no more money. If he wants to eat, my fridge is open, and you know, I don't want him coming around if he's using. You know, she's like, I want him to get help. I think that is a pretty good approach. She's given him numbers. She's sat down and talked to him. It's not like she's just like, you're not doing that in my house. Go live in your car. Not at all. You know, he does have an option. And that's the thing with meth, though, is the only option I think he's thinking of is, well, I need some more, and how can I get some money to get more? And that leads to theft. Mm-hmm. You know, it leads to all kinds of bad Big things. One. You know, yeah. and now with COVID, you go in the wrong house. Oh, boy's in there with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. It might not turn out so well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, pray, I guess, pray for them is what you can do. And uh, it's just a, that's a bad drug. They're all yeah. bad, but that one's, it's like I said, I tried it once and it was, whew. I actually flipped over the insurance card and was like, where's this number? I need to call. They need to take me to rehab now. Yeah, the links that people will go, I mean, for for all drugs is insane. But yeah, when it comes down to, like, the money piece, yeah, because it's pricey. You know, I don't, I don't know. I've never done it, so. Well, I'm glad you'll never try it. I mean, I'm not an angel by any means. I'm just saying that – um I think somewhere I've tried to figure this out a million times because I spent 20 plus years completely alcohol had me, you know, and um, offered every drug in the book. And I think somewhere in my head, I knew that I had such an addiction issue with the simplest thing is alcohol because, you know, it's so innocent and sold, you know, and glorified and so on and so forth, that, oh, my God, what would I do if I got addicted to something else? Like, I recognize that I had that, um, you know, that addiction issue. Um, I think that's why, and I honestly believe that's why I steered clear of that, of other drugs. Not all other drugs. I've done other drugs, but I think I saw people and and what they would do and how they acted, and that scared me. That scared me a lot. Not that, but then I, you know, I scared other people. My actions. I mean, how many times was I in the hospital? How many times did I seize in the middle of a grocery store? Seize in the middle of a Kroger grocery store. I don't even remember it. I guess the whole produce department was all I remember is them hovering over me and ugh. Dang. Yeah. So it's weird when you completely shut out stuff like that and then something, talk about something and then it's just like, clear as day in your memories not good times i am glad where i am today grateful so when you came to they took you to the hospital yeah they they had to because i was in a public place and when the hospital when you got there they had to admit me because i had a seizure yeah but were they like did you try to play it off like oh i just didn't take my medicine today no i was way out of it Uh uh-uh no but you weren't drunk you were I was withdrawing. Mm-hmm. So they didn't come to you and go, let's talk about your alcohol use. No. Let's, I got some pamphlets. I was just like, oh, I'm an alcoholic and I have seizures. That's not the first one I've had. And they're like, we're going to hook you up to some fluids. And um, 
give you some Zofran for your nausea. Then you can sit here. So, but they never talk to you about getting Sometimes they'd give me reading material. And then other times, sometimes sometimes people would come in and ask if I knew about, you know, AA. And ask about who's my support network when I leave there. I'd make some shit up. And... It was bad. I mean, that's why I'm saying when, that's why when I talk to people that are still in either in active addiction or in that early recovery, dipping their toe in and back and forth and back and forth. And um, it's not real that they they can actually at some point. I mean, they can actually find recover, like find a way to live without the use of drugs and alcohol. I will look them square in the face and I can see in their eyes that. Like, they just don't believe they like and it makes me sad because I'm like I'm looking at them. I'm like, I hope to God these people don't do not give up on trying. You know, I'm sitting there talking to them about a relapse they just had. And I'm like, I just want to just be like, you can find it. You can find it. It just and I can't give it to you. Nobody can give it to you. But just don't give up on yourself. Because that person in that grocery store that woke up and that and then still I still didn't try to reach out for help. I still was just like, this is just who I am. And this is just the effed up crap that my body does when I don't have enough of my drug of choice. And I was going to live that way until I don't know what was going to happen. I don't know what was I waiting for. But I didn't want to do any work to make it any different, obviously. And years and years and year more years of that happened after that specific moment. I don't even know why I'm using that time. <laughs> I mean, that was just one of many. But I guess what I'm saying is that it's it's times like it's moments like those when I'm like this when I'm realizing past you know memories, um, things that I've been through, and then also bring them into like who I am today and interacting with people that are in that spot or similar, something similar to that. And I can look at them in the face and be like, just don't give up. Like you don't have to live like this. But it's, do you remember though, what it was like to be in those shoes to be, because for me, I was hopeless. I thought, you know, I lived a pretty good life. If I didn't wake up, that'd be cool. Right. And that's what I'm saying is I remember feeling that exact same way. So here in my head, I'm thinking like, who, what could have somebody, nobody in particular, but what could have somebody come up to me and said to me when I was having that kind of those feelings and feeling that kind of way about life, who would it be or not even necessarily who, what would they say to me to make me actually think, a little bit more into it and actually listen to what they're saying and do something about it. Those are the words I need to figure out. So I heard when you start thinking about the future and you can get people thinking about the future, it kind of, it doesn't fix everything. No, no, I'm not trying to say that, but it kind of snaps them out of that hopelessness. Cause when you're thinking about a future, you don't really feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Unless you're thinking about a hopeless future, then I'm <laughs> really hopeless. But no, if you start talking to somebody and just like, you know, what do you want? What do you, what, what is it? You know, what gives mm-hmm. you purpose? Yeah. And I think a therapist that 
Pine Rest asked me that. And, you know, he was talking about the the food drive I had put together when I was in Arkansas. The radio station, he was like, you know, and I, I've told this story a hundred times on this podcast too, but again, for people just tuning in, first time listening, here it is again. It's like when you were talking about, you know, radio and stuff, you weren't talking about the funny bits you did or, you know, the great interviews you had or the rock stars you met. You you lit up when you talked about that food drive and I could tell you like that, you know, and, and helping people, you know, it gives a natural high, you know, and I'm like, whatever, dude. He's like, no, for real. He's like, you lit up. Like when you were telling that story, like, and you fed, you know, 20,000 people and, and you were just so proud. And I was like, yeah, I was and still am. And he's like that right there, man, that's what you have to live for, you know? And, Quit trying to be happy all the time. You're not going to be happy all the time. Right. You know, but if you can make moments like that, that where you can look back on, then you can be happy in that moment thinking about those times. And I, I started to try to do that and started living, you know, for for moments and making memories that I can look back on and, and smile. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of trying to be happy all the time, I'm never happy. I just want to be happy. I've heard so many people say, I just want to be happy. I was one of those people too. Mm-hmm. I just want to be happy, man. I know. Just want to be happy. Why can't I just be happy? Right. I want a perfect job and perfect wife and perfect cat. <laughs> Damn it. I have all of them. I'm happy. <laughs> ah! Ha ha! <laughs> no, I'm not kidding, though. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge and to think back sometimes I try to put myself in that situation of why was I so why couldn't I pull myself out of it I don't know you know I could say well that was on God's plan and it was moving along like it was supposed to and I think he was giving me just enough leash you know and Mm -hmm. a year ago today I was in jail first time I've ever been to jail yeah it's first time Two years ago today. Did I say a year ago? Yes, you did. Oh, a year ago today. I was, I was like, where I was, was I? Somebody. <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, tell you about that I one, was going to wait for a second. I'm on the lamb. Correct. Uh, yeah, two years ago today. Yeah, it's the first time I ever been in jail, and that was crazy. And I think that was part of God's plan, too. And, I mean... <sighs> It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You watched movies. Yeah. But I think mean, people were like, man, I'm so glad you're in here. This is the this is the most fun I've ever had in jail before. They've said that to me. Like mm-hmm. three or four people. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, just, just trying to pass time. <laughs> and I don't remember. I don't know. It was just a hot mess. And then this one guy tried to slap me because I took his toilet paper. Because we had like little rolls. We had one roll of toilet paper. And Barron County Jail is a joke. They should be sued more often, by the way. Just throwing that out there for taxpayers in Southwest Michigan that are like, "Why? how are we paying all these taxes for the jail? Well, it's because they're getting sued. But anyway, off of that one now. So, yeah, so this toilet paper roll, I'm like, man, I'm not sitting on that toilet because there's no seats. Or anything. So I'm like, I'm not sitting on that toilet, and the concrete is just hurting my ass. So I uh, can't give us uh, toilet paper. So I wipe this seat off, you know, and... Dude was like, no, I can give you my toilet paper. And so I just got up and I took it. 
And then when I took it, he got up like he was Billy Badass and he was going to do something. He tripped over this dude that was laying on the floor and he fell. I don't know. If he would have slapped me, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have just been like, did you just effing slap me? You know, like, what are you doing? But I don't know. I just kind of looked at him and hit the floor. And then another dude grabbed him and was like, yo, Pookie, don't be doing that up in here. And I gave him his toilet paper back. He was like, here, man, I just needed a little bit. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can be the toilet paper keeper. So when people need a shit, they can come talk to you. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, I think he's trying to use it as a pillow or something, but mm. yeah, but it was crazy though. Um, when I got out, it was, it was so like, it didn't, it didn't scare me that hey, you just went to jail and you're facing like who knows what. It didn't scare me until I got home and I saw my car was was smashed. And the light, front right, light was smashed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my mom had said something on the phone about it. And I was like, what? Because I was convinced that I was not driving. Mm-hmm. And when you're faced with that, that's when it got scary for me when I was like, holy hell, like, I am so glad I made it home. Like, mm-hmm. I, it was in my parking spot in my apartment complex. And um, I remember a dude just coming to my window going, what are you doing? You know, and it was killed some people. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're drunk. I'm like, yeah, I'm drunk. I'm like, what are you doing? And I don't r- remember what I was doing. And so I was like, I wasn't even, I wasn't driving to my recollection my recollection i was just sitting in my car maybe listening to music i don't know why i would do that but i was in my pajama pants and a t-shirt it was snowing out and so i got out of the car you know and dude keeps going on i'm like well why don't you call the cops then you know and he's like i will well good i'll stay in here and wait for him which i did and you know obviously a cop came and he was looking at me like i don't know what to do but I was like, well, you can't take me to jail. You can't take me to jail. (laughs) Got a little trip to jail then. And when I got back home, too, I walk in. Right there on the counter, a full half gallon. My vape, my phone, my wallet, all that was left at home. Like, I don't know what I was doing in my car, but that's the scary part of it. What was I doing in my car? Like, I am not a drunk driver. Well, I I guess I was that night. But when you take time off from drinking, and I've heard this about other drugs too, you know, you try to go back and hit it just as hard as what you would before. Like, and that's when I started having the blackouts. And, you know, that night I I remember I was drinking and I thought, oh, this is what they mean by hallucinations because the Brady Bunch was in my apartment. I was like, oh, wow. Like, this, I thought it was kind of cool. I was like, I knew it was fake. I knew it really wasn't happening, but it was happening. I could see them. Hmm. You know, it was really weird. And I was like, wow, like, the acid was supposed to make this happen. But, and that's it. That's all I remember. And then coming to in the car, I guess coming to, but I, I was never really sleeping or out. But it's what I needed, though, um, the consequence. And then, obviously, if I get out of jail and half gallons sitting there. You know, bad things, and then back to jail. And that's when I wasn't handling things correctly. That's when a bad situation would hit me, and I wouldn't make good choices, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like earlier we were talking. But 
I don't know what it would have snapped me out of it though, if if not that, you know, having some consequences, mm-hmm. like somebody just saying, "Hey, man, you can do it, bro," or mm-hmm. you know, write down ten things that you want to do this year. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I would tell somebody. I guess if you had to come see, let's let's role play. Okay, you have to come see me. I'm in the hospital. I'm in a bed. And my little hospital gown is green. Oh, okay. So this is when you were just uh, from your from from your what taken from jail? I mean uh, from your just, apartment? No. <laughs> no. Mr. Winfield. Yeah, it's just just that I'm Mr. Winfield. My mama brought me up there cuz I was I'm trying to bed. talk to you in oh. your hospital bed. Oh, oh, sorry. Ready to go. <laughs> Mr. Winfield. Oh, well, I just want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. I've hurt too many people. That's how you were going to start off this Yeah, time. usually I'm crying when I say this. Really? In the past, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not worth it, piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm supposed to introduce myself, right? Jerry, are you Mrs. Winfield? <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, first, I would probably... I mean, I'm not going to do the whole role play thing, but... No, I'm Why? not. Because... People like it. They, no, they really not. like my hunting story from... I know. That's what 15th. I'm afraid of. That's the problem is because you're not going to take it seriously. No, I'm, no, but in situations like that, I mean, obviously, you can't really... This is what, what I was talking about, my problem with, with issues when people would come into the hospital room and try to talk. There's a time and a place where you're going to be receptive to real information and you laying in a hospital bed all sobby and talking, you know what I mean? First off, if you talk about committing suicide, A, that's automatically you shouldn't be in that hospital bed. You should be in the psych ward. So, Which they will send you. Which they will send you to. But no, I used, I would say that all the time. They'd be like, you don't really want to die. I'm like, yeah, I just don't want to be alive no more. I know you're in a lot of pain mm-hmm. and I know that things you know, seem like they're really bad right now. That's when you try to get him some sleep and, you know, talk to him when you're feeling better. So do you think having recovery coaches in the hospital is a good idea then? or you I think, think it's it is. Kinda... I, I think it is. I mean, you know, I've been in all different kinds of stages of ridiculousness when I've been in the hospital. Um, sometimes I'm totally functioning and I just don't feel well. But the, see, the reasons why I would go to the hospital when I was trying to, which I, I literally was trying to stop drinking a lot of the times. And I had that fear of, and that fear of you can die from seizure. It's not because I really felt like death after seizure. I felt like death all the time, but it's because it was like drummed into my head over and over and over by medical personnel and by my family. Like you could die from this. Like you, your life could end just, you know, from having these seizures that you have. And so... I could actually kind of sometimes feel like when I was coming down that this is kind of like how I felt before I had my last seizure. And so that scared me enough to go to the hospital. Mm. So there's different stages, but there's sometimes people, they really just need rest. I mean, I think recovery coaches obviously should know well enough, you know, the state of somebody. And even if they just pop in and like show their face and tell them who they are and, you know, I'm going to wait till you're feeling better and I'll come visit you again. Maybe we can talk. Yeah. Timing's a big one. I don't mm-hmm. think ti- I think timing is in- incredibly critical to 
being heard. Because you can have all the most awesome things to say in the world to somebody, the most inspirational, moving, sensible, you know, things to share. And if they're not in a place to actually hear them, like for real, hear what you have to say, it's just wasting your breath. I'm not saying be mad at them for that. You just need to, you know, just say maybe we can talk when, you know, when you're feeling better, when you're, when you're ready. I think that's what's so important too about 217 Recovery Rides is when we pick somebody up and get them a ride home from treatment center, nine times out of 10, they're in a good spot already. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a plan and just to reassure that and, there's not there's nothing to for a recovery coach to beat into anybody's head you know that you don't have to do that but to have a conversation with them mm-hmm. and let them do the talking you know it it opens up and you just kind of give them a little bit more fuel you know here you go yeah man you know mm-hmm. like it's, it's not just hey you're out of the treatment center now poof go fight the world it's hey now i'm out of the treatment center and oh, i just got to ride home from this cool dude named Corey Winfield or somebody awesome <laughs> from 217 say? Recovery. Yeah. And they all, they're just thrilled and they feel special and they feel like they just met Corey Winfield. Most of them that meet me are like that, I think. Well, I mean, along Sometimes. the same Man. lines. Or, no, but along the same lines, I think, I think it's even more critical for the ride there. Mm-hmm. Um, because first off, they've, made that final movement into actually getting into a vehicle and they've got a spot ready for them at a treatment center. And nine times out of 10, maybe that's probably not the place they really want to be at that moment. And so that's the tough one is to kind of just put their, you know, mind at ease, like, Hey, you know, you're making the right decision. Also to, to get people's, I wrap their head around the fact that, you know, this is just like, going to be a brief moment of your, you know, yeah. of your life. This is just like a little tiny in the whole scheme of things. This is just a slice of your time. And what better things do you have to do? You know, other than what you have been doing, which obviously hasn't been working out for you. Um, and that, you know, what do you have to lose? Like hear what these people have to say, you know, try, you know, see, see what there is that you can learn about and, and change and, just you need to be open and willing. And if you if you can just say that you can do that, like, I'll try. I'll try. Mm. You know? And then to have that mindset when you get there that things can change. Yeah, some people are like that. Some people, well, I had one person tell me that because they were offered a ride by their uh, – family member who really wasn't too excited about it and this person was so relieved that they were able to get transportation through us and you know he said it was just going to be more yelling and preaching on the way there from somebody who he said didn't have an addiction problem so it was well, that's just where that right there right is. but it, it's a family member so it's like the tough love and he or this person was just like, yes, I'm I'm so glad that you're taking me and not the family member because it would just, it, it would have been three hours of just beat down, like more resentment to even go into this place to where he could 
or that person could leave this whole stuff behind. And as soon as they get in my car or 217 ride, it's poof. <sighs> yeah, and Free. it's and you you don't make anybody talk. That's no. the thing. I mean, if they want to talk, that's great. If they want to sleep, that's fine too. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying that if words are exchanged, they're you know, they don't have they're you're very it's a very safe and you know, it's not threatening, um, comfortable, you know. Had a guy ride. Had a guy too tell me, you know, he's like, I don't know if I'm ready to stop doing drugs. I get, I like getting high. It's like, well, you know, it's just it's gonna keep repeating itself. Like you're not gonna be the only person that, oh, yep, you got high and you had just a wonderful life. Everything you lived till you were ninety and rich as hell and never going to jail again. Like just oh, just worked out perfect for you. But you know, until he's ready. Hey, just keep learning. You know, you're still you're still going to this facility. Just take in some stuff. And I asked him about previous experiences, and he's like, "Yeah, I went to this place in Petoskey. That was great." And you know, I I met Roy, and and I know Roy. And I was like, "Yeah, you know, like think about the stuff you learned there, and just kind of you know step step forward and kind of go back and revisit those things." And but until you're willing to accept that. You know, you can never use drugs again. You know, I, I wasn't until I could actually accept that. Yeah, I'm never gonna drink again. Yeah, that you know, was a biggie. Thinking you can still, well, I'll just drink five years. Okay, I'm not sure why you'd want to in five years drink again, but that's cool. Yeah. But until you can get that into your head, though. But you know, I wasn't preaching to the guy. It was just you know, and that was cool that. He was honest about it, you know, and that, that's what he was thinking. And, you know, that's probably where a lot of his, his stuff can maybe start is getting honest mm-hmm. and to just say it out loud. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to stop getting high. I like getting high, you know. I mean, that's a start for him. Yeah. Yeah, you got to start somewhere. But. All right. Well, I thank you for listening tonight. I really do. And I, I've been thinking about this for a couple weeks now. And if I was going to go into more detail about, you know, the jail thing, but there's not really much more detail I can give. (laughs) It just kind of came to and whatever. It was just like, Oh yeah. The scary part was the car. And I thought about calling the Buchanan police department and just saying, thanks, or maybe send them a letter, send them an autographed picture of Nico. (laughs) (laughs) Send him a 217 sticker or something. I don't know. But, you know, without that cop making that decision, of course, I didn't make it easy for him. But it had to happen the way it did for me to be here today. And I really appreciate the hope and support that I get from everybody. I really, I really do appreciate it to the people that donated the other day. Yeah. What is that? Like Giving Tuesday or something, is it mm-hmm. called? Or Giving Tuesday which is December 1st, and it was on Facebook or something because you donated and you shared it because mm-hmm. 217 Recovery is a 501c3 nonprofit. So, mm-hmm. like, if it's your birthday, if you want to raise money for stuff on Facebook, you can raise money for us. And you said that Facebook was something was going to match whatever mm-hmm. we got. Mm-hmm. So I was going to put a billion dollars in there and then uh-huh. we have $2 billion. <laughs> but really we have one because the first check wouldn't clear. <laughs> 
But I don't know. But yeah, it, it's something along those lines where Facebook's matching some of it or some of your donation or something. But which yeah. I think it's still going on. Or if you want to create your own, like I said, you know, like yeah. feel free. You know, please, if you would, actually, that would help us a lot. Yeah. You know, have us be the beneficiary of your. That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's on actually <laughs> in the small print. It's the the Tuesday. I guess it's just the. I think it's just the donations they get on that on the first. But it does say that it, that's what it says is that Facebook is going to match the donations that are given to the five hundred one c three nonprofits that are raised by obviously everybody who's donating is a Facebook user. So you know we'll see if that works out. But it'd be great. I mean we got our computer stuff we have to renew and yeah, yeah the website stuff too. we just yeah. renewed Spreaker yeah yeah insurance mm-hmm. yeah there, <laughs> there's some costs here and there yeah but yeah we really do appreciate the people though that did yeah um, very much appreciate yeah, dylan daniel justin tony 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i really do appreciate that linda and katie parr dang there's more probably too mm-hmm. i haven't been on facebook in a couple of days so i don't really know but thanks Yes. Really do it, and being totally sincere, we say thank you for that. Mm-hmm. But get the app, check out the website. I'm gonna be tinkering with the website over the next few days too, so check it out. I already messed around a little bit, changed some stuff up. But if you got the app, check that out. Like I said as well, I'm gonna mess with that. Might as well. <laughs> nice. But all right, until tomorrow. Okay. Got a long wait. Alrighty. <laughs> See, See you then. Ya.